Hello and welcome to Locked On Lease Podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, The Zoobs. What's going on, buddy? Oh, my friend. It's Nobody does a disappointing, uninspiring <laughs> 3-1 win like the Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we got to be happy, but they got a win and it didn't even take 11 shootout rounds to get there. So Yes, that, that much is true. So that's a win in itself. Yeah, I, I you know I, I guess we'll get right into it, but uh, I sort of I tweeted this out earlier tonight. Um, the Maple Leafs played this one like the kid that goes into the final exam, knowing exactly <laughs> what he needs to get to pass All the right, class. If I get a sixty-four, I will yeah. pass. I'm so doing, I'm aiming for a sixty-four. Yeah, I'm doing multiple choice. I'm doing true false, and then I'm just gonna skip the essay section and go home <laughs> because. You know, they did exactly enough and not an inch more to win this game, which has been a theme uh, for them. But, you know, ultimately, two points. It's two points. That's what we have to start uh, getting down to is it, it, it was two points. So, you know, it, it, we'll get into it. But, but yeah, yeah not a, a uh, much the needed two game. points, too. Yeah, definitely not. It was kind of a snooze fest, to be quite honest with you. They, they got off to a really good start. I really enjoyed the first period. But that second and third period was just a lull. Like, oh, my God, I almost fell asleep. Um, luckily, I, you know, I'm at work and I'm not able to fall asleep. <laughs> but, um, you know, just I, I thought that they did get off to a good start. Uh, and it seemed like they were kind of buzzing. And, and, you know, they got a little bit of a bump with JT being back out onto the team uh, or back out onto the ice with them. But really, like you talk about, you know, sports just anything could happen in a split second and really this game was a matter of 30 seconds like football they say it's a game of inches like within mm-hmm. 30 seconds this game went from a 1-1 tie that had overtime written all over it to the Leafs taking a 3-1 win and uh and they never looked back and, yeah. and it was all within 30 seconds Matthews pots one and then Nylander comes in on the two-on-one uh with Matthews and and scores a nice little uh, insurance goal for them and that was really that that was all she wrote and then they just kind of rode the game away the final six minutes of it and got the two points it's such a funny thing because you know I, I think you watch the first 55 minutes of this game and you say man Matthew's not playing yep. well just invisible <laughs> and then in 30 seconds he scores the game winner and assists on the other one so what do you like <laughs> how do you even grade it I know, How do right? you like even you, grade you it? Get a, the first 55 minutes of the game, you're sitting here, you're thinking, man, this guy has been invisible. He's going all. I saw somebody tweeted uh, on Twitter, the, you know, the, the old uh, Toronto Raptors coach, Sam Mitchell. It's like, man, I'm looking at Matthew's numbers right now, and it's just zero, 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 zero. And that's what it was going into the final five minutes. And then, boom, out of nowhere, he ends up scoring. And then 30 seconds later, comes in on a two-on-one with Nylander. Nylander makes a nice move to be quick. And all of a sudden, you look back at the score sheet. Oh, Matthews has two points. Like, <laughs> So I guess you have to score it at least a, a B-minus because A, got the game winner, and it finished up with a multi-point night. But at the end of the day, the first 55 minutes, man, that's that was some D quality out of Matthews tonight. It's unbelievable. And... You know, we can we can backtrack on all the on all the things that we talked about coming into the game. The 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 
Special teams were not especially great. They did not score on the power play. They gave up a, power, a, a penalty kill goal. Like, and they're talking about the team that the worst special teams in the league they're playing in the Kings. And yet, uh, and yet, here they are with with two more points. I, I think this is, you know, we are we are uh, being tested here in our <laughs> in our patience for this team because. Uh, you know, halfway through this game, if we had done this podcast, it would be some some fire and brimstone. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you talked about the power play. They they did get John Tavares back, and I cannot believe that he missed that goal on that first power play they got of the game. Ray Josh pushed it up and over the bar. 999 times out of 1,000, JT's going to pot that into the back of the net, and he just got under it and just put it up and a little bit high over the net um, and just kind of a, a little bit of rust, I guess you could say, on, on JT and his return uh, to that power play. But, you know, three, they had uh, – how many power plays did they have tonight? Four. Mm-hmm. Four power plays and just three shots on goal. Unbelievable. They over four with just three shots. It's crazy. It, it that like that should be well. I, the 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 fourth one was the final like fifteen seconds of the game. Right. But, so I guess but, that doesn't count. But. but still, that's still three shots and three power plays against the worst penalty kill in the league. Uh, full full personnel offensively, other than Hyman. Um, but I you know I I think to your point, um, that's a goal for Tavares like ninety nine times yeah. out of a hundred. So you know. As much as it, the scoreline is going to look better than the game was, there's also some moments that are going to be better than we remember. And uh, I think there's some grains of salt to take in both directions there. Yeah, all around, though, I thought that, obviously, other than that that bad puck luck that we saw there on that, uh, that no-goal, I thought all around, actually, John Tavares in his 18 minutes of ice time, I thought that he played pretty well in his return. What were your thoughts on his game tonight? Yeah, I thought he was solid. Um, maybe a little unremarkable, but I, I think, you know, his game is never flashy. It's it's in those tight areas and in those small battles. Um, you know, I thought Patan, Tavares, Marner was probably the second best line behind old reliable Alex Kerfoot. Uh, with Mihaev, um, you know, I, I thought once again they were electric. Kerfoot with a little, a little Paul Korea action in this one, but um, you know, I thought I thought Tavares was was fine. I, I thought he was good. Um, you know, he, a lot of ice time, uh, all the possession numbers sort of lean that way. A, a, as tricky as you know, one game Corsi numbers can be. I, I thought he was, you know, you were. It was never a concern. They never looked overmatched, um, and he should have had a goal. So so a good sign. Uh, for him in the return, um, positives. I, I'm going to go positives there because you know it, it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't the big concern when things were going a little sideways. It was a little more. Uh, where is Matthews and where is Nylander? And uh, and there they were when we needed them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting was the fact that Nick Patan was playing on the second line, getting some toxic top six minutes alongside uh, Marner and Tavares. Uh, you have to assume that that's just kind of showcasing Patan, right? Like, I don't suspect that he's going to be on this club the once they get Zach Hyman back and they have to make all these roster changes. He, that's the reason for that, right? Or what do you think? I, I guess so. Um, seems weird. Doesn't that seem weird to showcase him by playing him on that line, especially after 
we saw earlier in the year where um, Kapanen sort of struggled on that line. I think it's a weird choice. Um, but he didn't look out of place. He, he, he Patan played well. I don't think either one of us expected him to be on that line when the game started. But um, yeah, I would I would say uh, showcasing him is is a good word for it. You know, as you mentioned on Friday's show, he he looked very good in limited time with the Marlies. I think it was five points in two games. So you know, he's clearly not an AHL player. He's still trying to find his spot as an NHL player, and, and I guess it makes sense with a matchup like the Kings where you expect to win the game even with your B or your C game uh, to give him a chance to look good against NHL competition. And I thought he looked competent. I thought he fit in nicely and, and, and was a part of some decent chances uh, for that line. And just another quick note on Patan. Uh, in 31 Thoughts uh, this week, the weekly column uh, by Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, he did say that he got a text from a GM after his weekend spent with the Toronto Marlies saying, Patan, he, he's too good for this league, meaning he is too good for the AHL. And said GM, obviously an unnamed GM, uh, clearly believes that he is an NHL talent who's just a little too good for the AHL, but the Leafs just don't have a spot for him. So this is... I thought was a, a good opportunity with Hyman out. They do kind of have a slot right there that they can put a player in because then, you know, if, if you really look at this lineup that played tonight, I think this is their lineup in a hole. You just slide out Patan and put in Hyman, and there it is. That's the Leafs lineup, fully healthy. That's what it's going to look like. So uh, I think that kind of giving Patan a, a few games until Hyman gets back to kind of showcase what he could do for other teams. Maybe they can elicit some sort of value for him, uh, whether it be, you know, like a fourth or a fifth round pick to a team just looking for some more offensive depth. Um, uh, what else we happened in this game? Oh, it, it, so, you know, let's kind of tease it a little bit in our good, better, best. I'm sure both of us are going to have Alex Kerfoot in the games or in, in in those because he was fantastic uh, tonight. But took that hit from Jeff Carter, and he was out for the remainder of the period. And I was like, oh, no, are you kidding me? Like, the second that this team gets healthy, uh, they lose another guy. And I thought Kerfoot might be out for a little bit. But I ended up returning in the second period, and he returned with a vengeance. He was outstanding tonight. And uh, kind of ended up scoring the the tying goal uh, in this one to get the lease back into it. And uh, I thought that that he was he was great. And I don't know if I want to I don't want to give away all my all my talking <laughs> points on him for a good, better, best. But certainly, uh, great game out of Kerfoot tonight. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, not to give it away either, but I think he will be in both of our good, better, bests there. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Good Better Best is going to be coming up next. But first, let me tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. That's DoorDash. All right, coming up next, the Good Better Best. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs uh, Leafs with a 3-1 win over the Los Angeles Kings. There's a lot of a lot of decent play tonight. Uh, it wasn't the most flashy win, I would say. I think you would agree with me. But I think with the, there, there was enough good that we can go through and, and hand out our good, better, best awards. So let's get right to it. Uh, who was good for you, Zoobs? 
good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with Frederick Anderson. I, I think you know he was he was totally fine. He wasn't uh, incredibly tested, but another game where ultimately uh, he gives up one goal, and you know this could have very easily been a game that was a huge letdown, and they end up giving up a weak one, and and it sort of breaks their spirit but you know he posted a 960 save percentage 25 shots against only allowed one through and it was a sort of a careless um power play goal uh that was sort of a scramble in front and with some bad defensive clearances so i thought he was solid um not standout he wasn't great he didn't have any like real five bell saves but um you know another example of, of him really being the right guy back there tonight to just sort of keep everything calm and and really do his job which was to to shut this game down definitely uh he makes my appearance a little later in this list but for me for good i had uh willie nylander uh, i thought that he was really good in the first period um i thought he came out with with some pep in his step especially after a poor performance on saturday came out and said that he didn't like his game and uh, that he knew he could be better and and i thought that you know he actually came out and, and proved that early on in the game and then kind of ended up going a little bit quiet, much like the rest of the team, but then obviously uh, with scoring another goal late in the game and, and uh, helping out assisting Austin Matthews on the game winner as well, I thought that Nylander uh, had a good game himself. Uh, what was better for you? You know, I really liked, and maybe this is going to be a, maybe this should have been flipped, but uh, I really like Travis Dermott tonight. I think he is ready. I think I think we need to start talking about seeing Dermot Riley as a pairing because mm. he is he, he, like we. I know we've talked in previous episodes this week about him being brought along slowly and getting a chance to find his footing and and the team sort of slowly but surely well, upping get, his usage. Just, I, yeah, yeah, but again, still kind of a little bit slower. Just thirteen minutes, thirty-one seconds in this one. So still yet to break that fifteen-minute threshold that you'd like to see. Out of, a guy, out of a, a player like Dermot. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's almost exclusively five-on-five. Five. He's not getting um, special teams usage. He got about 13 seconds, 13 on, seconds the on the power play. play. So just yeah. on the tail end, he got a, a quick shift there. Which is the, which was the last 13 seconds of the game, right? So yeah. he, he doesn't really get the special teams play. But um, just if you go through and you look at um, some of the gifts and some of the videos of this game, his zone exits getting the puck out of his own zone so calm so cool um you know using the boards great skating his edge work uh really just unbothered by a lot of the king's forecheck tonight i thought he was excellent getting the puck out of his own end and you know to me he looks he looks ready to take on a bigger role and and to be with a better defensive partner no shade to justin hole but i i really think um, you know, he's ready for that increase to 15 to 17 to 18 to 20 minutes. I, I think everything I've seen from him says to me that, that he is ready for a bigger role on this team. I'd love that. And we know that he can play on his offhand. He's done it. He did it in junior. He's done it before in the NHL. So if there is a, a chance that, or at some point we do get to see that happen, I would be ecstatic. But the only way I see that happening, to be quite honest with you, is if they decide that they can bring back Rasmus Sandin and bring him back up and have him playing uh, on the third line uh, left wing spot 
And that would probably only happen if Cody CC found his way out of Toronto, which, again, I would not mind. <laughs> hey, if we say it every single day, eventually. <laughs> eventually. You, would think, you would think. Although we, we talk about how poor the power play is every single day, and they're still not scoring goals. So I don't, I don't know if, if that's really working. If we could speak it into existence. But we could still, uh, we can try. We can hope. Uh, for me, my uh, my better, I had I had Freddie Anderson here. I thought that he had a good game. Um, you know, Mr. November. He was calm, cool. Made a couple of big stops there in the first period, and a couple more big stops uh, at a, with a tie game in in the third period there to keep it a tie game. Um, ultimately, he he's the one who kept him in this one when they were kind of asleep a little bit. Uh, it, it's interesting. I feel like the Leafs. They kind of play. It's it's becoming a pattern that they they're playing. They play up to their mm-hmm. absolutely the teams that that are better than them, and then they play down to the teams that are worse than them. It seems like they don't dictate play at all, and they they just kind of adapt to the whatever style game their opponents trying to play. And that's 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 what I felt like tonight. They were just kind of playing a slow, dialed down game where we know that the Leafs are all about high-flying, octane offense, and that's just not what we saw tonight. And uh, that ended up needing Anderson to kind of step up and make some big saves uh, when needed, and and he did that once again for the Leafs. So thought that he had a a great game, and he was my better. Who was your best? And I bet I know who it is because there's only one name that you've yet to mention, and it's the same as mine. I think we're in agreement here. (laughs) Alex Kerfoot. you know, I, we both we both sort of had the same feeling in the first period when he went down to say, man, can they just not catch a break? They, they get one center back and they lose another. Um, he has been very consistently between good and very good pretty much every game all year long. Really, really firing with some great chemistry with Ilya Mihaev, um, you know, liking him with Kapanen, thought he had Excellent instincts on that game-tying goal. Absolutely roofed it, as well as bouncing back from a tough hit. Um, went to the room twice uh, in that first period, but but bounced back and, and was, I think, the best player on the ice uh, in the final two periods, up until the last uh, you know, couple <laughs> last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I think... Kerfoot for for the rest of the team that seemed like they were kind of sleeping there uh, in between you know in the second period and the tail end of the first, Kerfoot was pedal to the metal uh, the whole time. You know once he came back from that hit from Jeff Carter, it really seemed like like that kind of that hit woke him up and he was ready to go and uh, just you know even on that goal just coming in with speed. I know obviously it, the only reason why that goal was kind of available to him was it was kind of a blunder on the Kings part. They kind of tripped over each other, which was hilarious. Uh, but Kerfoot made no mistake about it, came down with some speed, picked his corner and, and, and shot. And uh, he was just all around good in his own zone, good on the face-off circle tonight. You know, Kerfoot, he's a guy who consistently seems to be doing well, uh, you know, on both ends of the ice. You know, he's he plays that 200-foot game, and that's what he needs. And, and just taking a look, right now of, of the competition that he was up against tonight. He spent most of his time uh, split between Aze Kopitar and Jeff Carter. You know, those aren't schleps. Those are two very, very talented players in this league. Uh, Jeff Carter, maybe kind of a, uh, a shadow of, old self, of his old self, but still a great player. And, you know, 
Anze Kopitar, one of the, one of the best players of our generation. Uh, so to, to be able to go out and play that kind of competition and put up that good of a game, you know, Kerfoot, I got to tell you, like, I don't I don't know if he's quite the caliber of player that Nazem Kadri is, but, um, you know, I, I miss him less and less uh, when I see games like this out of Kerfoot. Yeah, and I think he's a little, you know, I, I don't, that that comparison is going to be there um, just because of the nature of, um, of the, the trade, trade, but but the you know Kadri has five goals, Kerfoot has five goals. Um, it it hasn't been a huge huge step down, and he's shown a willingness uh, to you know to to do that stuff that isn't fancy, but 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 it's very important uh, to this team right now, and and he has really proved his worth in a very short time with this team. All right, coming up next, uh, yesterday's podcast, we chatted about the Eastern Conference. And coming up next, we're going to go around the Western Conference a little bit and talk about some of the big storylines dominating out on the West Coast. And that'll be coming up in just a moment. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Once again, I am Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, The Zoobs. We spent a lot of time talking about the East. Obviously, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs being on the East Coast, being in the Eastern Conference, in the Atlantic Division. So it just that just makes sense. But there's a lot of storylines going on out West right now that I figure we might as well talk about and get our thoughts on so that, you know, maybe it, let's just say that there's some listeners out here that are just, for some reason, they're only focused on what's going on in Leafland. And I know there's got to be some of those people. So let's try and educate them on what's going on league-wide as well. Um, what A couple of the biggest things that I think, biggest surprises, I guess you'd say, about the West Coast is the dominance of two Canadian teams right now that I don't think anybody was expecting to be playing this well, and that's the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers, both leading the Pacific Division. Did you expect to see this 15 games into the year? No, absolutely not. And not just not just leading the division, but the Vancouver Canucks have the best goal differential in the conference, second best in the league. They have they're plus 19. They're, they are playing like an elite offensive team. Uh, JT Miller has been an excellent addition for them. That yeah. was really unheralded, a really underrated pickup. I don't know that there was a lot of talk about him at all. But well, it's funny. You, there, was, yeah. there was a lot of people doubting the Canucks for making that pick because they gave up a first rounder uh, to Tampa when I think at the time Tampa, they needed to shed some cap. And mm-hmm. JT Miller making over $5 million. And then Vancouver willingly gave up a first and a third round pick to go up, go out and get them. I think that caught a lot of people off guard. They're like, why? Like, they need to literally get rid of cap. Why are you doing this? You could have kind of, uh, you could have, like, negotiated most likely and, and got them for a lot less. Like, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But it seems like they zeroed in on Miller and they thought that he would be a great addition uh, playing on a line with with Besser and Pedersen and he would complement them well and would turn them into one of the most successful lines in the league and he's done just that (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, you know Pedersen is one of the most fun players in the league to watch Uh, Brock Besser uh, you know really underrated of that same 
sort of 22-year-old, you know, budding star sort of caliber secondary scorer guy. We talked about Miller, a point-per-game guy. Bo Horvat right there at point-per-game. Uh, Quinn Hughes, who we don't hear a lot about on the East Coast. Uh, 19-year-old is getting some power play time and really impressing. Um, you know, th- th- it's it's balanced and it's... Uh, it's been really impressive. I, I did not expect it. We, we, we did the beginning of the season conversation. I was very much a Canucks hater and <laughs> guilty as charged. But I am also willing to admit that um, they've had some things really go their way, and, and it's and it's been it's been the product of getting good, talented players that that play uh, well to their style. And that's Miller and that's Pedersen and that's Besser, uh, Quinn Hughes, as I mentioned as well. They're getting great goaltending, right? That's her Demko, uh, just under a nine forty. Jacob Markstrom, 2.5 goals against. So they're getting the goaltending and they're coupling that with guys that are, you know, really playing well offensively and, and really clicking. So, um, it's a good recipe. I don't know if we're going to sit here at the end of the year and say the Canucks walked away with the Pacific, but you know, it, it's getting less and less of a fluke and more and more that the team is just, they have the offensive talent and they have the goaltending. Definitely. You know, what else was really uh, savvy pickup by Jim Benning and the Vancouver brass. It wasn't even over the off season. It was last year and it had to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh Oh, could you think of who it was? <laughs> I'm sure I absolutely can. Josh Levo. Yes, sir. Josh Levo, seven points in 14 games. And uh, I actually, I read a piece in The Athletic by Harmon Dial, and he was really talking up Josh Levo, talking about how, you know, he's been one of the most underrated uh, players, not only for the Canucks, but in the league. Like, when you just go by points per game, you may not look at Josh Levo and think that he's an effective player. But, uh, you know, all the advanced numbers and the defensive metrics are saying that Josh Levo is playing outstanding and he's been a great addition to uh, the Vancouver Canucks and is is a big reason why uh, that team is, is doing well. Just they're, they're a deep team and everyone seems to be contributing. Even a guy, just take a look, Tim Schaller. Tim Schaller has four goals. He only had two or three goals all last year and he already has four now, 14 yeah. games in. Yeah, so, absolutely. It just seems to be uh, seems to be clicking. I think Travis Green's doing a good job out in Vancouver. Uh, another team out on the West Coast, another Canadian Prairie team, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, doing uh, exceptionally well early in the year. Obviously, we didn't expect that, but the duo between Connor McDavid and Leon Drysital, um, like it, those two are, they're they they're the best duo in the league, right? Like. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Every time they play, you can you can bank on uh, four or five. Goals. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And four or five plays where where McDavid looks like he's playing in a different planet than everybody else. He's so fast. He's so strong. He's so big. Um, it's it's really uh, a joy to watch. Um, which is crazy to say about that team, but they've they've done it. They've you know James Neal trade was was really good for them, uh, <laughs> really good. He's already got eleven goals. That's already even if he doesn't score again for the rest of the year, like they win that trade walking away. Um, and they also happened to hurt the Flames while doing it. So that's a double. That's double. I think great. they won that. They won that trade the second James Neal scored his first goal. I swear, <laughs> I, I I cannot believe that the Calgary Flames made that trade. 
I, I, I was stunned when I saw it. And I know there was a conditional third-round pick going to, uh, going to Calgary if James Neal somehow scored 10-plus more goals than uh, Milan Lucic over the season. That's going to happen. And that third-round pick is going over to Calgary, and Edmonton is going to be A-OK with that because if they keep going at this pace, I mean, that's going to be a pretty high pick. Like, that'll be up in the 80s probably, uh, or at least the late 70s if they keep going. The only thing about James Neal, though, um, you know, 11 goals through 16 games, it's a little bit unrealistic to expect for for this to keep it up. You know, eight of those 11 goals have been on the power play, and uh, that's just kind of wishful thinking to assume that, not that you're assuming this, but uh, that'd be wishful thinking to assume that he could keep this pace up over an 82-game season. Yeah, he's not going to score 70 goals. I think that's I think no. that's fair. Um I think also there's there's a couple other signs um like I don't know that Mike Smith is a 9.30 save percentage goaltender. Um cost well, I, hope so. I just picked him yeah. up in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh he might get the assists for you, but you know, he's not a he had a really 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 down year last year. He looked absolutely cooked uh last year in Calgary, but um there's room there's room for some optimism here, and and what we know is important is they've built themselves uh, a little bit of breathing room where they can come back to earth just a little bit. They're obviously going to have the Golden Knights nipping at their heels uh, right there as well most of the way. Uh, and the and the Arizona Coyotes quietly uh, a sneaky fun team. Oh yeah, I I was a big fan of the team because I mean for me I thought the pickup of Phil Kessel was going to be huge for them. They 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 were kind of lacking a a superstar-esque player like Kessel. I know he's a little bit older, uh, but he's still just a guy who wants to go and play hockey, and in that market, he can do that. Like, I guarantee you there's maybe two or three beat reporters that show up to the rink every day, and they're not hounding him every day, asking him if he ate his hot dog on the way to the rink. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it, it's the exact scenario that he wants, and being, you know, a, a happy Phil, I feel like is the best kind of Phil that there is, and you know, reunited with Rick Tockett, who's uh, a, a fantastic coach and uh, a player who, you know, I, he really wanted to go back and play with because or a coach that he, he was really excited to, to go and play with again because of the success that they had when they won their cup in uh, Pittsburgh. So I, I, I was extremely excited for Kessel when I heard about that trade, and uh, it's it's paying off. I, I like the roster. It's It doesn't have a lot of superstar names, um, but, you know, the the team, the kind of uh, – they're gelling. They're gelling yeah. right now, and the goaltending. Like, Darcy Kemper, uh, to be honest with you – he got robbed of a, of a couple of – not that he was going to win the Vesna, but I thought he got robbed of some Vesna votes last year because he was one of the best goaltenders down the stretch. He had that, like a stupid like 180-something goals against down the stretch. He, he, he went like 20 game, or 12 games in a row without allowing uh, more than two goals. Like He was outstanding, and he's backing it up, and he's doing it again this year. So – if they can keep that up and Kemper can keep it up, uh, you know, I could see this team making the playoffs for sure. All right. Got anything else in the West? That's We're, we're, we're already uh, – that's just the Pacific. There's, there's a whole I other – I know. I know. Another, one, another day. <laughs> one last thing that we do need to touch on. It's on the complete other end of the spectrum. The San Jose Sharks tied for last in the league. What? And they don't even have their first-round pick. The first-round pick is Ottawa's because they re-signed Eric Carlson, who's playing awful right 
right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that the weaknesses are, are pretty laid bare. They they don't have a lot of speed. Um, they have tending. They, they need a goal tending. Yeah, and and I mean, how many years in a row are are, are they going to come in with Martin Jones and Aaron Dell and get like an eight ninety from both of them and and then say, oh, I don't know what the problem is. Like this is a, this is the story. This has been the story of the San Jose Sharks for the last three years, where they they are held back because they don't have the guy back there to sort of bail them out. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's disappointing if if you're a Sharks fan. I, I don't know the way forward for them to be, you know, demonstrably better because a lot of their guys are, first of all, they're on the other, the the top end of 30 and they're locked in for quite some time. They're going to be paying Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic and Eric Carlson a lot of money for a lot of years. And those guys, maybe Carlson, uh, you know, omitted from that are, are due to really start slowing down here in the coming uh, years. So, you know, this could be the beginning of, of some real trouble on the horizon for this team. As you said, uh, no picks. So maybe, maybe, they, maybe we see some sell off. Maybe, maybe they sell off some of these, some of these pieces. Maybe you see Amanda. I don't even know. I honestly don't even know. Timo Meyer only has two goals in 15 games. There's also yeah, some of that he's stuff. Pick it up. He's we also pick yeah. it up for sure. There's also some um, of that stuff where there's, there's guys who are definitely under, underperforming one goal from Logan Couture uh, four points from Timo Meyer, uh, four goals from Thomas Hurdle. Nobody, nobody having a great year out of the gate. So that's that's also part of it. You have to expect that to normalize a little bit. But the goaltending is what it is, and and, and they have some guys on on the downslope here. Patrick Marlowe, six points in eleven games, though. Of course, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, and the veteran leadership. Uh, we'll have to kind of end the conversation uh, for now about the Western Conference. We'll pick it right up uh, at some point down the road, and and who knows, maybe something will be changed by then. Maybe the Sharks will go on a big 5, 6, 7, 8, maybe even an Islanders-esque 10-game win streak, which the Islanders just um, accomplished last night with a a win over the the, uh, Senators. But... Mm -hmm. uh, That'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to, for the, to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow with some more Leafs talk. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.